So yeah, Misfits of the Faith is our series uh, that we're going to be going through for the next five to six weeks. Um, and I guess if you, if you look up uh, Misfits in a quick Google search, as I did, because I really wanted to understand, so Mr. Google came to the rescue. So Misfit, um, you see words and themes like uh, set apart, um, fish out of water, doesn't fit the mould. So when you think about that, and you think about what a Christian should be, shouldn't we all be misfits, really? We should be set apart, we should be not looking the same as the world, not fitting the mould of fish out of water. Um, but that's not what we're talking about today. Um, and if you, look, if you do a biblical Google search on misfits, um, if that is a thing, um, they should create that Bible Google, yeah. Um, say that for later. Uh, there, there is no mention of a word misfit uh, in the Bible unless you use the Passion Version and then it's like all over, like misfits everywhere, misfits everywhere. Um, debatable. Um, but uh, what we are talking about today, as you saw in the video, is people from the Bible that are unqualified by our standards, and, but yet God used them. People like David, people like Samson, like Solomon, uh, they, they, you read their stories and you're like, man, what were you thinking, God? Like, these guys are, like, so messed up. They've got so many flaws. They, um, they haven't got their heart, you know, on fire for you. They're, they're constantly distracted. They're constantly doing the wrong thing. Um, and yet, God, in his, uh, you know, magnificence, in his omnipotence, he uses them. Um, that's what we're talking about today. Uh, we, I'm hoping, um, you know, throughout these subsequent weeks, not only will we, um, you know, uh, hear about stories that maybe uh, are from the Old Testament and uh, when we read them we go, man, it's so outdated and irrelevant that we can actually go, yeah, it is relevant and that's why we need to continue to read and learn about these people. Um, but also we can come to an understanding that we can see ourselves in, in these people because what God likes to do... Um, with uh, the people of the Bible, and he'll continue to do through us, is that he will, he will seek people that are broken because that's people that he can use. That's the people that are at their wit's end and, and that God can, can shine through and, and use them. And so we're going to talk about Jacob today. Um, in my opinion, one of the most uh, relatable characters because he's just so messed up. He's, he's just got it all wrong. Like, he's got so many things going wrong in his life. Um, before that, um, I'm just going to read from 1 Corinthians 1, 25 to 31, just to give us a little bit more of an understanding of, of just what we're looking at. Uh, so it says, uh, For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of the world and despised the things and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. So uh, the verse, uh, the passage we'll be reading from today. There's there's many places we could look into Jacob's life and go, yes, he's 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 messed up and he's broken, but God still uses him. 
but I want to hone in on Genesis 28, 11 to 21, which is uh, when, God, uh, when Jacob first encounters God through a dream. So if you have your Bibles with you, that'll be a good place to, uh, to open up to. Uh, if not, um, there will be uh, bits and pieces on the, um, on the screens. So, uh, verse 11 says, When he reached a certain place, talking about Jacob, he stopped for the night before the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and he lay down to sleep. So we're, we're intro to Jacob at this point and it shows that, that he has reached a certain place, a place of no significance. Um, he had stopped for the night, for the sun had set, so he'd be probably walking all day and the sun had set, so he decided to, to, to lay down for the day. And taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head. Only a man who has absolutely 100% nothing would, would put a stone under his head as a pillow. Um, if he had a blanket, if he had a cardigan, I don't know if they wore cardigans back in the day. I think they're pretty trendy. Um, but if he had anything else, he would have put it under his head to rest. But he, he put a stone under his head. So it's, it's painting this picture that he absolutely had nothing. And uh, if, we, if we look back... Um, you know, to read in your own time from Genesis 25, that's when, he's, uh, when Jacob's story starts. Um, we kind of get an idea of what happened in his life to get himself to this moment. So it's kind of like those movies where it's like, it's like, how did I end up here? Let's go back and I'll tell you the story. Um, but I'll, I'll summarise it for you. So back in Genesis 25, we have um, Rebecca, his mother, and uh, she has uh, twins in, in her womb. And she's pregnant, and they're wrestling. And um, she's like, what's going on? I don't understand. Um, why are they so you know, fidgety? Why are they wrestling all the time? Um, and then God uh, comes to her and, and says, you have two nations inside of you. And the older will serve the younger. If you've been in a, a relationship or a close friendship or if you're married... Um, it's no secret that there are no secrets, um, so to speak. Nicole and I tell each other everything. Uh, there's no point on hiding things. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be found eventually. Um, so my guess is that Rebecca would have ran home wherever she was or wherever she, you know, she might have been out by the well hanging out. Um, she would have gone home and, asked, and told her, her husband, Isaac, I've just received a, a message from God a prophecy that I have two inside me and they're going to be two different nations and the younger will be before the older. And then we read further in the story, just a couple of verses later, that uh, Isaac the father, once they were born, uh, Esau grew up to be this big burly dude, um, red hair, um, that's what Esau means, red, uh, that's why it was called Esau. Um, but he was, a, he was a hunter, he was a big man, he was strong, he was, he was hairy. Uh, my mum, uh, when we had a dog growing up, uh, she used to name our dog Esau whenever we were going to go somewhere. She's like, oh, we'll just tell her his name's Esau and he's just a hairy human, not a dog. Uh, anyway, um, Esau grew up to be this big, strong, typical man, whereas Jacob hung around the tents. He was softly spoken, he had no, no hair on his you know, on his arms and legs, um, quite meek and mild, didn't like hunting. So Isaac, the father, preferred Esau. But Rebecca refer, uh, preferred 
Jacob. Furthermore, I, I would believe that um, Rebecca would have told Jacob about the promise that God had for you. That you are gonna gonna um, that your older brother Esau is gonna serve you. And that has all kinds of connotations. That means you are gonna be the leader in the family. You are gonna be the the one that in, uh, has the inheritance. You are the one. You are the one that's gonna carry on the the family honor. You know. But when he sees his father preferring his his older brother over him, something doesn't connect. Something doesn't add up. Why? Am I not being preferred? Not only did my mum say that it's true, but it actually came from God. And yet God is not holding up his promise. So either God is a liar, my mother is a liar, or God doesn't exist. So when we, when we go further into his story, uh, Jacob, when given the opportunity, steals what he thinks is rightfully his. He first steals the birthright uh, by tricking his his brother in exchanging it for some stew. I don't know if you, you get hangry sometimes. You're like, I, I just need that food. Like, I don't care what I, I have to do. But um, then uh, Jacob steals Esau's blessing that uh, to get from his, his dead, almost dead father. Um, he dresses up as Esau. He puts on, like, goat skin to m- make appearance, to make him look like he's hairy. He puts on Esau's clothing so it smells like him. Um, and he takes the blessing that was reserved for Esau. And therefore, like, when we think about you know, what ended up happening was Esau found out and he said, uh, I'm going to kill you, brother. And then Rebecca's like, you've got to get out of here. Like, you've got to go. Um, I can't l- lose you know, the son that I love the most, pretty much. Um, and so he, he leaves, and uh, this is where we, we get up to verse 11, where he's got nothing. Um, he's, he's, he's away from home. He's probably, uh, you know, feeling very distant from his parents, both physically and emotionally, and also very distant from God, because these promises that he grew up thinking was, was his um, haven't come true. And so he lays down nothing but a rock to, to put under his head, and like anyone who's kind of confused about God sometimes, he's probably just looking up to heaven and goes, what's going on? Like, God, what is happening? Like, you had all these things promised for me and they haven't come true. What is going on? So then we go into verse 12 and 13. And we, uh, we, we read about the dream that he has. This is, this is his first encounter with God. It says he had a dream in which he saw a staircase resting on earth with its top reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, and the God of Isaac. And then it goes on, uh, and, and, and God reinforces the promises that he knew uh, God had in store for him. He says that I will make you, uh, you know, the, the, the land in which you are sleeping on now, I will return to you. Um, he says that you'll have descendants as far and wide as the dust hits the earth, north, south, east, west. Your descendants will be on forever, will be everywhere. Will be, you will have many descendants. And it says that all of humanity, all of earth, will be blessed by your offspring. 
And hold on to that because we're going get, to get to that bit later because it's very important. And what else do we see? We see a stairway resting on heaven and earth. This is a connection. This is, this is for the first time in Jacob's life. Um, he's seeing this connection between heaven and earth. Previously thought for him, heaven was a closed door. Heaven was a closed book. It wasn't available for us to understand or for Jacob to understand. And here is a dream in which heaven, uh, heaven's gate essentially is open and there is a staircase. We also see angels ascending and descending. And uh, contrary to popular belief of what we think angels are in pop culture, Hallmark cards, etc., um, angels are not these clean-shaven, white-robed, winged animals, oh, human, humanoids, or what have you. Um, they're not, they're not these, these gentle giants. They live in the presence of God, and God is power and God is authority. Uh, so they must be pretty strong to withstand that and not be incinerated like... Uh, we, we read in the Bible, it happens when people were in the presence of God. And they're ascending and descending from heaven to earth, going up and down, over and over, kind of like a, an escalator. Um, they are God's power, they are God's messenger. And they are frightening, and we know that because whenever they turned up in, in, in Bible stories, they say, fear not. They don't say, fear not just cause, they say, because they're probably scary figures. They're things that you've never seen before in your life. Um, and they're doing God's work. They're, they're the messengers. They're, they're doing God's power. Like They are God's power transmitting across the earth. So for the first time in, in, uh, in Jacob's life, he's got a glimpse that, that God is there. God is, is in everything. He is through everything. Uh, he is watching over us and he has got a plan. It's just that we don't see it all the time. And that's tough to cop sometimes. I think we think about it in our lives. Um, we feel that God is distant. We feel that God is not there. We feel like that, that, that we don't get God. Um, but in this dream, we're kind of getting an idea and understanding that God, that heaven is open for us to understand that God doesn't want to be a distant God, that God wants to be close to us, and that God wants you to know me, like know God. And the third thing we see in this dream is, is that, that um, God actually comes down from heaven to be beside Jacob. Uh, you may be confused by that, but I'll, I'll elaborate. It says... Um, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it, meaning the staircase, stood the Lord and he said, I am the Lord your God. There are footnotes in your Bibles, if you look, um, that says all beside him. So there's a debate out there whether it's it, the staircase, or beside him, as in next to Jacob. A lot of, a lot of scholars and, and, and commentaries go, yeah, beside him. That's, that's the way. Because it, it changes the way we, we view this image that God is not a distant God because of, you know, because of where he is and where we are, that he is a God, that he is a father that, that sees brokenness and his heart breaks. He sees brokenness and he says, I need to be with Jacob and I need to reinforce that I love you. 
And again, that is hard to understand and hard to cop for us because when we look at our lives and we look at the things that have gone through our lives, uh, the brokenness in our lives, the suffering, the pain, the deaths of the family, the abuse, um, all of that, it's really hard to go, oh yeah, but God's got it, that God can see it and God's, uh, God's helping me there. But if we, if we put a pin in that and we, we, we go on to the next step, hopefully, even if uh, we still come from understanding, but I still don't understand God and why he creates suffering and why he creates brokenness, we could kind of understand that even within brokenness and suffering that God can can reveal himself and he can show his his glory and he can he can take us out of that brokenness and he can he can he can heal us so uh, I'm going to jump forward to John 150 to 51 and um, I've been listening to the Bible project I've probably you've probably heard me say it hundreds of times now um, but it's 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 just so, been so helpful uh, and they have this term called a hyperlink. And if you think about that in computer terms, a hyperlink is when you click on a link and it takes you to another website. So they, they are connected, they are linked. So in the same way the Bible Project uses uh, this term, they say there are hyperlinks all throughout the Bible proving that, that the, this Bible is interconnected, that it's all one thing pointing towards Jesus Christ. And it just helps, for me at least, to understand that this Bible that we read, that we're supposed to anchor our whole understanding on, on God the Creator and Jesus Christ the, the Saviour, that there are links in here that, it's, that you, you get that real understanding in these moments. You go, wow, it's, it, it is actually God's Word. It is actually ordained by God. It is actually, you know, infallible. Um, and I'll read it out. It says, John 1, 50 to 51. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that, he added. Very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. So context for this, because it's a little bit obviously out of context. Um, what is happening here is that, uh, so there, there was a uh, conversation between two friends, Philip and Nathaniel, and Philip's like, hey man, we've found, the, we've found the Messiah. We found the person that Moses has been talking about all this time. You know, the anointed one. We should go see him. Nathaniel's like, oh, yeah, but he's like from Nazareth. Like, nothing ever good happens from Nazareth. If you've got a town, like, close by that you think nothing ever good comes from there, um, you, can, you can relate. Um, oh. <laughs> I was just at Queen It's a beautiful place. Um, anyway, uh, so Nathaniel comes along with Philip because he wants to see this dude that is apparently the Messiah, the one that Moses has been talking about for all these years. Um, and he meets him, but Jesus sees Nathaniel from far off, and he goes, hey, it's Nathaniel, the Israelite who has no fault. You know, maybe that's what he was colloquially called, this, this dude that was meek and mild and, uh, and uh, you know, always softly spoken and always a nice guy. It's always one of those people. They always have a dark side, though. No. <laughs> um, and Nathaniel's a bit taken back, obviously. And he's like, how do you know me? And Jesus goes, "Know you? I saw you under the fig tree, man. Like, I, I, I more than know you. And we don't know what he was doing under the fig tree. I'm not saying that he was doing anything scandalous. He may have, or he may not have. 
He may have been with a girl, getting a little bit too handsy. It happens. But it, th- th- that's, that's just conjecture. That's just me imagining. He may have been by himself. He may have just been alone with his thoughts. But Nathaniel was doing something that no one else knew, even if he was just alone with his thoughts. If Jesus knew that he was under the fig tree, you bet Jesus would know his thoughts. But it was so personal that no one else should have known about it that that Nathaniel went from a sceptic to a believer in a heartbeat. He says, you are the Messiah. And so Jesus says, you believe me because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. Very truly, I tell you, you will see greater things than this. You will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Why is this a hyperlink? Jesus is the staircase, isn't he? Jesus is the link between heaven and earth. Jesus is the link. If you want to understand the Father, you you understand the Son. And it goes deeper. If If you want to understand brokenness and suffering in the world, just look to Jesus' life and you'll understand that God is drawn to brokenness because he knows that he can work through brokenness and create beauty. And I'll, I'll flesh it out and I'll dumb it down for us. We, we look at Jesus' life. We, we, we look at this man, this, this God-man, who, who knew that the only way for redemption of, of sins, the only way for redemption of humanity so that they have everlasting life, the only way that the Creator... And the created can, can be finally reunited as it was intended in Adam and Eve and, and Genesis and, you know, the Garden of Eden. The only way was to send power down onto earth for him to weaken himself, to become a man. And we, we, we follow his life and um, he started his ministry and uh, something was different about him. And it attracted a lot of people because he was speaking about things that was familiar but completely different. But also it attracted the, the wrong kind of attention, the Pharisees who didn't like what they heard and so consp- conspired to kill him. They, they, they found him, they put him on trial, they convicted him wrongly. He was infallible, he was perfect, he was God. And yet they didn't see it, they were blind. And they... They whipped him, they beat him, they broke him, and they put him up on a cross. And every time I get to this point, I I get choked up because it's... And then he was put up the cross, and in the moment, physically broken, emotionally broken, spiritually broken, His father wouldn't even recognise him in this moment. God wouldn't even recognise him in this moment. And that is why he cries out, Why have you forsaken me? And then he dies. And his followers are thinking, What do we do? Like like this person we put our hope in for three years, he's he's gone. And he said he's going to raise back back alive again, but we just saw him die. Like we saw someone put a spear through... His side, it's over. It was a good run, but it's over. Um, 
But as we know, and the reason why we're here, the reason why we, we continue to meet and encourage each other, the reason why we continue to, uh, to hang out and, and learn about the Bible and encourage each other, um, is because he's alive. We know that. We know that. And from death didn't just spring life for him, it sprung life for everyone. And I know you've probably heard it a million times, but you need to hear it a million and one times sometimes to just understand, just to get it, just to go, wow, yes, this is huge. So when we look back to the vision, we look back to, you know, this, this hyperlink, we see that, that yeah, Jesus is that link for us to understand who God the Father is, even in the suffering, even in the brokenness. And furthermore, in, in verse 14 it says, your descendants will be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and the south, and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through your offspring. God had a promise for us even within Jacob's mess, even when he was dealing with Jacob, he says that all peoples on earth will be blessed by your offspring. And if you know a bit of biblical background, a little bit of biblical history, Jesus came from the tribe of Judah. Judah is the son of Jacob. Jacob's offspring, in the long, long way, all the way down to Jesus, produced blessing for all the people on the earth, and that includes us. Doesn't that just floor you? Doesn't that just go, wow, like, like this thing that we read, which we think is outdated sometimes and doesn't apply to us, is like, wow, it's, it's right there staring at us. That even within Jacob's story, which was a mess, that God had a grand plan which included us. When I read this, I don't see God as distant. I don't see God as... Someone that doesn't care about us, that, that, that doesn't care about suffering. I see a God and I see Jacob, a broken man, alone, not even technically seeking God. He was just like, what is up? Like, why is this happening? Um, and God extends his grace down to him, that he comes down to him and that is the God that we serve. And that through brokenness uh, in Jacob's life, there was blessing and, and it happened eventually. It doesn't mean that he got it right straight away. He actually got it very wrong very quickly, like literally the next verse. And it's hard to understand, it's hard to cop when we look at our lives, when we look at all the crap things that have happened in our life. We go, how, how is God in this? Why would God permit this to happen? I do believe from what we read that, that, that God is, when he sees brokenness, he's drawn to it because he has a heart for us. And he goes, I'm going to use this brokenness. And you may not see it now because we don't have an eternal perspective. We're not, we're not up there in heaven seeing everything. Like when you think about, like, it's on a, on a very low, in a small level, um, you think about uh, Canberra as a, planned city everyone hears it's a planned city but when you're down in the scrub and you're seeing the traffic and you're seeing the light rail yuck the light rail <laughs> you're like how is this a planned city 
And then you go up to Mount Hainsley. If you haven't been up to Mount Hainsley, and you look down Anzac Parade and you look down the corridor and just everything's lining up and it's beautiful. As beautiful as a city can be, um, I guess, in Canberra. Um, but it's, uh, for me, it's, it's beautiful. Like, like you, see, you see these wide roads, you see all these plans, you see all these, you know, you see everything lining up. The old Parliament House lines up with the new Parliament House. It's incredible. Um, how this relates, um, we can't see God using our brokenness when we are in the brokenness. It's just a fact of life, unfortunately. But you only have to look back a couple of years of where you were and then compare where you are. Anyway, you're like, God is, is good. God is, is, is there. God has got a plan. And if that still trips you up and you're still not quite understanding why, how God uses brokenness, look to Jesus Christ and what God did through brokenness through his own son. The epitome of brokenness, the epitome of suffering. And God created so much beauty out of it. And, and his disciples couldn't see it at the time. But we, we're here 2,000 years later and we're, we're seeing the fruits of it. We are seeing God's offspring, um, Christians everywhere. Um, people think Christianity is not, not growing. Yes, perhaps in the Western world it's not growing, but in the Eastern world, in, in the Middle East, in China, in, in Africa, Christianity is exploding. So the, the promise of all of earth being blessed by offspring is still happening. This story, this story of Jacob is a story of, of grace. Jacob continued to stuff up, as I said. He continued to stuff up. The very next, uh, once he received the dream, uh, he just decided to bargain with God. He says, I will serve you, I will uh, love you if all these things you say come true. And it's like, what the? Like, what an idiot. Like, he's just encountered God and, and now he's bargaining with God. Do you not understand who God is? Do you not understand the... Um, the power and the authority that, that was just in your grasp and in your presence. We think, what an idiot. But, man, we do it as well. We bargain with God, don't we? I will serve you if you grant me this job. I will serve you if you grant me this relationship. I will serve you if you... We can't let that be a part of our vocabulary. We, we are serving a God that is so big, so powerful. You think about what God had to do to Jacob for him to finally wake up. He had to wrestle him and, and touch his side and cripple him for the rest of his life to say, you wrestled with God, you wrestled with power and all you, like, all you got for it was, was just a little crick in the, neck, uh, in, the, in the hip. That is the God we serve. And it's, it's, it's scary sometimes. It's scary to think, think like that, that we serve a God that is so powerful, that, that is capable of so many things, and yet he, he loves us in, in our brokenness, in, in our, uh, in our you know, grossness, in our, in our suffering, in, in the things that, that we hate about ourselves, that God 
not only likes it, but he loves it because he's like broken people. That's who I can work with. People that have thrown off the veil, people that have thrown off the disguise, that aren't trying to strive in their own strength, that, that are committing to me, that are, that are laying everything down. That's the people I can work with. But take encouragement that if, if, if you're not there yet and if you, if you have had encounters with God or you have, you've had, you know, you know, but you're not, not quite there yet or you didn't respond to him properly, um, you don't feel like you responded to him properly. Um, it's, a, it's a staircase of grace that we're talking about. It's God extends his grace. Jesus has already paid the price. It doesn't mean that we... Uh, knowingly and willingly stuff up and go against God. But it's just just know that when you do, no biggie, <laughs> God still loves. We have Jesus Christ that sacrificed his life, that, 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 that brought us eternal life. And it's something that we need to celebrate. Yeah, let's pray. Dear Lord, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for your your grace. We thank you for, for what we've learned today in the in Jacob. Uh, Lord, he is someone that we can we can relate to, he's someone that we can look to, someone someone that hasn't always got their life together, that hasn't always got their, their mind fixed on you, that easily gets distracted. He's also a man that is so broken, that that was so alone and uh was so confused by you. We just thank you, Lord, that you extended out your hand to Jacob, that you descended from your throne and you you sat next to him and you said, "It's all right, mate. It's it's fine. I am always here for you. I will always be there for you, and I will be watching over you." And we thank you, Lord, what that means to us through Jesus Christ, through what He's He He laid down on the line for us. That we don't need to s- strive in our, our own strength. That we don't need to build our own ladder to get to heaven. But it's always the other way around. It's a, it's a backwards ladder. It's an upside down kingdom that, that you are extending your love to us. Lord, just help us to receive your love in those, those times. That, that Rather than cursing you in the dark times, that we, we look to you and go, I need you. I want you. I want to put my hope in you. Thank you, Lord, for your... Your beautiful grace, we thank you for your your power. And we humble ourselves before you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.